Today on Locked On Dolphins, a look at some surprising statistics that I came across over the weekend and their impact on the Dolphins ahead of 2023 training camp. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked on Network. It is Monday, July 10th, 2023. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked on Dolphins, co-host of the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast with Joe Marino. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Special shout out to our everydayers who do keep it locked in with us on a daily basis here on Locked on Dolphins. Today on the show, the grind never stops. We are continuing our pathway forward towards training camp, towards the Dolphins having rookies report here in the very near future. And by the end of the month, everyone's going to have a chance to descend upon Miami Gardens and watch the Dolphins practice in public practice settings here in the next couple of weeks. I can't wait for one. But as we continue through this dead zone, what I ultimately find myself doing is continuing to stumble upon really eye-opening numbers and statistics pertaining to our Miami Dolphins. And the first set of statistics that I want to go through, and there's a number of them, uh, is committed to the running back position and, and the running game in general for the Miami Dolphins. Because Warren Sharp, who puts out an excellent preview on a uh, annual basis for the 20. This one will be his 2023 football preview, uh, the 2023 football preview, sharp football analysis. I cannot recommend it enough. But what he did was he put together kind of a slew of statistics that kind of caught my attention. And here's a couple of those uh, statistics pertaining to the run game. The percentage of runs that went for one yard or fewer in 2022, one yard or less percentage of runs. Uh, the leaders in the clubhouse, James Robinson, 40% of his runs. Michael Carter, 36.8% of his runs. Kareem Hunt, almost 34% of his runs. Uh, Damian Pierce, 32.2, a familiar name here for Dolphins fans, Kenyon Drake at 32. That was the fifth, fifth worst mark of all running backs in the NFL with at least 100 carries last year. Did you have on your bingo card Jeff Wilson having a higher percentage than Raheem Mostert? Raheem Mostert finished the year with 26.8% of his runs, going for one yard or less, versus Jeff Wilson at 27.8. Those numbers are better, however, than Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb and Alvin Kamara and Travis Etienne and Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Ezekiel Elliott, and one Dalvin Cook also on this list, and that was the name that really surprised me. And I knew Dalvin Cook didn't have the season last year, which uh, was the peak and the standard of play that he had uh, a lot of football fans used to seeing from him. But to see Dalvin Cook, and he is 6th, 7th, 8th, 
Ninth place amongst all qualifying running backs. Over 30% of his runs, one yard or less. Jeff Wilson, just over 27%. Raheem Mostert, just under 27%. And that's a middle-of-the-pack number for Raheem Mostert. Uh, for a point of reference, there were three backs with over 100 attempts last year with a percentage under 20 Isaiah Pacheco, Aaron Jones, and Miles Sanders. A.J. Dillon also at 21.5, so that Green Bay Packers rushing offense uh, looking really good. But that surprised me to see Raheem Mostert, out of all the backs that we're talking about for the Dolphins' backfield, be the most efficient because he is a little bit more of a speed-to-the-perimeter upright runner versus Jeff Wilson is a more dense player, and Dalvin Cook, obviously, with the reputation that he has. It's food for thought. I, I wouldn't present it to say anything definitively. I would say um, Minnesota has a really good offensive tackle combination, but the interior of Garrett Bradbury and rookie Ed Ingram last season uh, had a lot of success and did not create a lot of push. There was a lot of losses taken from those two guys individually. So if your interior is losing in front of your face immediately, it's going to make your life hard as a running back. So, uh, there is some context there with the Dalvin Cook number, but it is certainly a statistic that, that caught my eye. The next statistic, I got two more from Warren Sharp in this regard. Percentage of running back runs in totality that gained one or fewer yards per rush. The worst team in the NFL last year in this regard was the New York Jets. One out of every three runs for one yard or less, the New York uh, Jets. Jacksonville Jaguars at 32.8 were the second worst team. The Minnesota Vikings uh, with 32.3%. So their team percentage was actually higher than Dalvin Cook. So Dalvin Cook outperformed his teammates. Dallas fourth, Seattle fifth. Miami on this list is sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, twelfth. The twelfth worst figure, but right around the following teams Tennessee, Buffalo. Miami had better numbers than both Tennessee and Buffalo. Miami at 27.8%, according to Sharp's numbers. Just above the New England Patriots, the Baltimore Ravens. And less than a percent worse than the San Francisco 49ers. And we've kind of talked about how you feel like this rushing offense was maybe a little bit more efficient than we gave it credit for, and we just didn't stick with it enough. I think this is kind of a nice reinforcement of that, especially when you foil it with this. Percentage of running back runs versus seven or more defenders in the box. The 49ers got it 91% of the time. They got seven plus man boxes. That is a crazy high number. (laughs) The Dolphins are almost 20% below that at 73% of the time. That is a testament to the Dolphins' speed. Now, there are some teams, the Colts, the Chiefs, the Bengals, Those teams were at 60%. That's the floor. And I think that could come from one of two reasons. That could come because we want to really limit the explosive plays, a.k.a. Kansas City and and Cincinnati. Um, Miami had a greater commitment than those teams to running the football, so I think that's a nice start. But San Francisco getting runs and running against seven-man boxes and and 91% of the time, I think that's nice reinforcement of this system and the answers that it can provide, provided you go out and execute. Now, the Dolphins, from an offensive line perspective, have more depth this season than they did last season. Have you necessarily spiked any playing spots as starters? Probably not. So this is a 
depth and chemistry and health dynamic uh, for Miami, and then a play-calling dynamic. But to see all of those numbers kind of play themselves out, I thought was particularly interesting because it's added context on what we thought we knew and reinforcement of uh, what the Dolphins should be capable of, which is having success running the football against heavier box counts, not using that as an excuse to get away. And when you get the light box counts, that's when you really got to make it count. We're going to continue with some more surprising statistics here on Locked on Dolphins. But before we do, Right now, I have to tell you about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every potential new hire feels like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that is why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can add the job and purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile so everyone on LinkedIn knows that you're hiring and simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills that you are looking for so you can quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and add to your team. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one amidst competitors in delivering quality hires versus the competition. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Our next surprising statistic also comes from Warren Sharp and the promotions that he is putting out uh, for his annual football preview. And it has to do with penalties. I'm not surprised that the Dolphins were near the top at this statistic, but I am surprised at the company they kept. Offensive delay of game penalties in 2022. The Dolphins had six. The Dolphins with six uh, were tied for the third most of any team in the NFL last season for self-inflicted, five-yard penalties. Now, what I do think is particularly interesting is this. Of the teams around you, there's a theme here. There's a trend here. And this is something that we can certainly hope to see the Dolphins be able to capitalize on as they continue to build through their offseason. The worst team in the NFL in this regard was the New York Giants. Eight. I'm going to go through the gambit of all the teams in front of Miami, or tied with Miami, and you tell me what the common theme is. The second most was the Minnesota Vikings with seven. And then tied with Miami with six was the Green Bay Packers, the Baltimore Ravens, the Las Vegas Raiders, the New England Patriots, and the Miami Dolphins. Those were the teams that I'm going to add them up in real time here. Seven. Those were the seven teams in the NFL last year. So effectively a quarter of the league had six Delay of the game penalties on offense or more. The New York Giants, new head coach, Brian Dable, new offensive scheme. The Minnesota Vikings, new head coach, new offensive scheme, Kevin O'Connell. The New England Patriots, new offensive scheme, Josh McDaniels left. To go to dot, 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 the Las Vegas Raiders, who are also on this list, a new head coach, 
with a new offensive scheme and the Miami Dolphins on this list with a new head coach and a new offensive scheme. Green Bay and Baltimore are your two outliers. And Greg Roman is gone. And in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers is gone. So there's big changes for those two teams. But five of the seven teams had a new head coach slash new offensive coordinator slash new uh, offensive system in place. One would have to think that was a compounding issue for communication and play calls. So how does the inverse of this look? You have teams with one or zero offensive delay of game penalties last season. Amongst the teams, Buffalo Bills, uh, they had a new offensive play caller, but it was within the same system because Brian Dayball left and took it to New York with the Giants. So there's technically a coordinator change, but same system. Kansas City, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy were still there. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith, third-year head coach, offensive mind, offensive background. Uh, the New York Jets, amidst their quarterback issues, Mike LaFleur had been there several seasons. The Arizona Cardinals, and the Cardinals obviously with Cliff Kingsbury, were uh, a team that has been in place for several seasons now. Also on this list, the New Orleans Saints, and the Detroit Lions uh, as the other two teams that were included with one or zero delay of game penalties. So I think there's some nice reinforcement here, but it's a surprise. It's, it's a common sense uh, statistic to have come across, but it is eye opening and surprising to see just how steep and dynamic those factors are. And in case in point, uh, Ben Johnson with the Detroit Lions was with Detroit as the offensive coordinator in 2021 and 2022. Uh, so that was a, a multiple scheme system as well. Add all that up, I, I certainly think there's room for improvement and room for optimism for growth as it pertains to the Dolphins and these self-inflicted wounds uh, that they have incurred on themselves throughout the course of this 2022 season offensively at inopportune times, never mind all of the burnt timeouts or the frantic plays to get it off before the snap that the Dolphins had as well. Dolphins very easily could have led the league in that statistic. They did not. It will need to be better, but the evidence says that it probably is going to be better. We have some statistics on... NFL executives to bring this episode of Locked On Dolphins to a close. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Before we go any further on the show, I do have to tell you about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs abides by the life rule that I am personally fond of, which is you got to look good to play good. And Bird Dogs makes you look good. They have stretch khaki shorts that are designed to sit, fit slimmer through the waist and thigh giving you a truly sculpted look. Guys, out, thighs out. They fit better than regular shorts. They breathe better than regular shorts. They're not tight and constricting and don't prevent you from moving. They have anti-stick sweat wicking material to help keep you fresh all day long. They pull off like khaki. You can wear them with a dress shirt. You can wear them with a t-shirt. You name it. 
You can dress them up. You can dress them down, whatever you want to do. And you can also take advantage of our opportunity with our promo. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL and enter promo code locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off once you got them. We went hard on Friday uh, for the resume, the drafting resume of Dolphins executive Chris Greer. And some people continue to debate the merits of, well, he was general manager by title in 2016 versus my argument being, well, he's been the unquestioned decision maker since 2019 because there was somebody above him for the first three seasons. And I'm not going to get into that again. You know, obviously, if you want to push people's buttons about the Dolphins, talk about Tua Tungvalo or Chris Greer. They're the two topics right now. Uh, maybe the offensive line spot. Maybe Austin Jackson you could throw in there as an honorable mention and push some people's buttons. But um, you want to get people riled up, talk about Chris Greer. One of the mo more popular um, bits is even if you give him credit for only starting in 2019, the Dolphins are floating around 500, and they do not have a playoff win after 19, 20, 21, and 22. So it's four seasons. So I did the thing. And I got the thing up over on my other screen here. And the thing, if you're wondering what the thing is, if you're new to the show or you're not sure what I mean by that, um, I went through some recent history and also some not so recent history. And the thing that I aspired to do was to identify uh, some of the people that you would universally assess as the top executives in the game of football today. And you could start with Les Snead. Of course, Les Snead of the uh, you-know-what-them-picks mantra uh, built the Rams, and this is what people perceive to be the worst-case scenario for the Dolphins, is that they will continue to spend their assets and then get super top-heavy, and then they'll get hurt in the bottom and fall out. And the team will have to be really bad to transition. But Les Need uh, won the Super Bowl as the executive in 2021 and facilitated that largely with his aggressive team-building mentality. So I asked myself, okay, how does Chris Greer, with 28 wins in the last three seasons and 33 wins in the last four seasons, compare to Les Snead. Well, Les Snead did not win more than seven games in any of his first four seasons as the general manager of the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, he did not have a winning season until year six. He did not win a playoff game until year seven. So seven, eight, and one, seven, and nine, six, and ten, and seven, and nine across Les Snead's first four seasons. I'm not a math guy, but I can do seven times three is 21 plus six is 27 wins versus 33 for Chris Greer over the first four seasons uh, with control in which one of those seasons was a undeniable rebuilding effort. Maybe you'd say less need is not a great example. Um, and some of the detractors of the show on Friday said, you know, no self-respecting franchise would allow themselves to stay committed 
to an executive that can't win you football games and hasn't won you football games in the postseason. Okay. How about Howie Roseman? Howie Roseman, two-time Pro Football Writers of Association Executive of the Year, one-time Super Bowl champ, largely perceived to be the best general manager in the game today. You know how many playoff wins Howie Roseman had in his first four seasons as an executive? Zero. You know how many wins total Howie Roseman had? I'll do you one better. You know how many winning seasons Howie Roseman had in his first four seasons as an executive? Two. One less than Chris Greer. Again, this is not to say Chris Greer is better than Les Snead and Howie Roseman, but this is to put the complaints that are out there about Chris Greer into context versus reality. The things the teams are actually willing to do and commit themselves to to work through building a winner. Howie Roseman went 10 and 6, lost in the first round of the playoffs, 8 and 8, 4 and 12. 10 and 6 again, lost in the wild card round again. So no playoff, two playoff berths and no wins. Uh, his fifth season went 10 and 6, did not make the playoffs. His sixth season, he went 7 and 9, did not make the playoffs. His eighth season, Seventh season, excuse me, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. His seventh season, he also went seven and nine. Howie Roseman didn't win a playoff game as an executive until year eight. And we have fans stomping their feet that the Dolphins need to respect themselves as an organization more because Chris Greer took over in 2019 as uncontrolled uh, control of the organization and has not won a playoff game yet for half the time that it took Howie Roseman to win a playoff game. And if you go, if you want to go back to 2016, Greer's got two playoff appearances, two double digit wins and four winning seasons since 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. So he's got more winning seasons than he does losing seasons in seven years in the midst of a head coaching change. Technically two but he wasn't the guy deciding the first one in 2016. Again, this is not to say that Chris Greer is better than Howie Roseman, but it is to put the complaint about Chris Greer that everybody is ready to fire Chris Greer for into context. Mickey Loomis of the New Orleans Saints. Mickey Loomis, first four seasons, nine and seven, eight and eight, eight and eight, three and 13. Didn't win a playoff game until year five. Had one winning season in his first four years. Mickey Loomis, that started in 2002. And guess what? To this day, Mickey Loomis is the executive vice president of football operations and general manager of the New Orleans Saints. 21 years on the job at this point. But thank goodness the, Dol the Saints fans didn't get their way after year four to say, man, this guy's done nothing but win less games every single year. It's a part of the process, right? What a Hall of Famer like Bill Polian. Surely Bill Polian's never gone four years without winning a playoff game. Bill Polian, the architect of all those Bills teams in the 90s. He leaves in 92 uh, after the third straight Super Bowl loss. And then he comes back with Carolina. And he's the GM in Carolina for three seasons. And then he goes to Indianapolis. And he goes to Indianapolis and he goes 3-13, and 3-13, 13-3, 10-6. 6 and 10 and 10 and 6 
and does not win a playoff game in Indianapolis from 97 until 2003 was the first year that Hall of Fame executive Bill Polian won his first playoff game. I'll keep going. How about Hall of Fame executive Ozzie Newsom? Two-time Super Bowl champion, took over the Cleveland Browns as the director of pro personnel in 1995, and then the team moved to Baltimore, and he became the general manager. Ozzie Newsom didn't have a winning season until year six. 5-11, and 4-12, 6-9-1, 6-10, 8-8 in his first five seasons. Needless to say, he didn't win a playoff game when he didn't even have a winning season. Year six, they go 12-4 and four and win the Super Bowl. Then they win a playoff game again in 2001, and then they have six years before he wins his next playoff game. It takes him until 2008 to win his next playoff game. That first one came against the Dolphins. Ravens' win over the Dolphins in the wild card round of 2008 was their first playoff win for Ozzie Newsom as an executive since 2001. Dude is a legend. 205 wins in 24 years on the job as an executive. Didn't have a winning season until year six. Again, I go back to so much of what we do now is at your fingertips immediately. And I get there are some sins of teams past for the Miami Dolphins that you want to punish them for and that you want to hold the team of now accountable for. But the, the way that this team does business is not equal to the ways of those teams past. By the way, Tom Donahue, uh, also largely considered uh, one of the greats, didn't win a playoff game until year four uh, and then went. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven consecutive years without a playoff win, um, including five seasons in Buffalo with the Bills. Um, and he is also largely considered to be one of the better executives uh, in recent memory. Carl Peterson with the Kansas City Chiefs from 89 through 2008, 20 years on the job. He literally did not win a playoff game in like 14 years, but they were consistently... 13 and 3, 9 and 7, 10 and 6, 9 and 7, 8 and 8, 9 and 7, 10 and 6. You'd be surprised how much consistency can really go a long way. And the Dolphins are kind of in the infancy of starting to normalize that level of team success. And I personally am not mentally prepared to turn my nose up to it. Consistent winning will breed a lot within your organization. But I think if we looked across again in the same thought process of trying to put Chris Greer's draft resume in perspective, put the roster the Dolphins have assembled into perspective, putting offensive line contracts as top of market dollars and running back markets uh, and big money contracts into perspective across the last 10 years, which are all exercises that we have done on this show. If you look at the amount of executives that if they didn't win a playoff game in year four, they'd be fired and out on their rear end, and then they would go on to win like 200 games as an executive, you'd be surprised. Perspective goes a long way. And that's what I'm hoping that this discussion, as everybody continues to get up in arms about Chris Greer as we get close to the start of training camp, is something that they can appreciate. There are much worse starts to a tenured as the unquestioned mind in control of a football team that have gone on to have robust success. But if you fire every executive who's been at the helm for four or five years and doesn't win you Super Bowl, there's a lot of guys who are probably going to be Hall of Famers someday 
who would have been out of a job. Patience from a team building perspective, again, process being process oriented, I think goes a really long way. And if you don't believe that way and you continue to listen to the show, then bless you because I know I have, have really beat that drum consistently. And if you don't agree with me, that's great. And if you still find time to listen to the show and support the show, thank you. I appreciate all you guys. And I think there's plenty of room for plenty of, of perspectives and opinions. But I hope that the, the perspective of executive success and how quickly it has to come um, maybe changes that narrative a little bit. Hope you all will come back and join me again for another episode of Locked on Dolphins. We'll be back on your stream. Before you know it, you can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs. Shout out to the everydayers who keep it locked in with us on a daily basis. We are out of here. Fins up. Enjoy the rest of your day.